I know how Brother Andrew felt last week, leading songs and then being ready to preach. Sympathize with some church planners who do that on a on a weekly basis. So praying for them while they're finishing up the conference there in Heartland, in Oklahoma City tonight. I'm just thankful for the Lord for a chance to preach again. I think it's been a while since I've preached in front of my church, and so it's a blessing to uh, stand behind the pulpit again. Uh, if you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Micah, to the book of Micah in chapter 6, Micah chapter 6, Lord has been working on me, uh, bringing some children's songs to my mind and really thinking about the truths that are in some of these children's songs that we sing. I know we sing some of those songs in our Sunday school or through the Bible time every Sunday morning. And just as they're simple songs with some pretty significant meanings, and I know that uh, we, some of the songs we sing are memory verses, Bible verses put to music. And so one of the songs that I learned while I was at Heartland, uh, thinking about the home missions conference that's finishing up tonight, is in this passage right here, Micah chapter 6. So we're going to go ahead and read Micah chapter 6, and then we'll get into the message. We're going to just read the first eight verses here. In Micah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Hear ye now what the Lord saith. Arise, contend thou before the mountains, and let the hills hear thy voice. Hear ye, O mountains, the Lord's controversy, and ye strong foundations of the earth. For the Lord hath a controversy with his people, and he will plead with Israel. O my people, what have I done unto thee? And wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. For I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt and redeemed thee out of the house of servants. And I sent before, sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember now what Balak, king of Moab, consulted, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him from Shittim unto Gilgal, that ye may know the righteousness of the Lord. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord? And bow myself before the high God. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He hath shown, showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy? And to walk humbly with thy God. Let's go ahead and open a word of prayer and we'll get straight into the message. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. And the simple truths found therein. We pray that you would set me aside, Lord, that it would be your word that we hear. Or that you would speak to us through your word. And that we would take hold of the truth found here. Lord, that we would take it home that it would be more than just something we hear preached on a Thursday night, but it would be something to encourage us to continue to live for you throughout the rest of our week, the rest of our days. Lord, we pray that you'd be honored and glorified through this service. It's in your precious and wonderful name we pray. Amen. So Felix is now two and a half years old. He hasn't quite gotten to this point, but when kids start to get a little older, you start hearing them say, well, that's not fair, right? No, that, that's not fair. Somebody stole their toy. 
And they say, that's not fair. That was mine. Right. But how many times do we actually say that in our head as adults, too? We say, well, that's not fair. So and so just got promoted at work and I should get that promotion or, oh, man, I just missed the train. No, that's not fair. You know, it happens to us every day where we would say, eh, it should have happened this way, is what we think, but really it happened this way. You know, the, the children of Israel, that's really where we see them in chapter 6. talks about they're contending with the Lord. Well, if you read through the whole book of Micah, the first three chapters are like all the other books of the prophets, a condemnation against the children of Israel for their sin against God where Micah is sent as a preacher to the nation of Israel, to the people of Judah, declaring to God's people judgment. That judgment is coming because they have disobeyed the word of God. And at this point, it's, it's very close for the nation, for God's people. And yet, after the first three verses, there's something a little different. That or first three chapters, forgive me, the first three chapters are declaring judgment against them. For example, verse 1 of chapter 2 says, Woe to them that devise iniquity and work evil upon their beds. When the morning is light, they practice it because it is in the power of their hand. Talking about how the people are acting in that day. And in the last verse of chapter 3, verse 12, it tells their end. It says, Therefore shall Zion, for your sake, be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountain of the house as the high places of the forest. Talking about God's judgment, the destruction that's coming to the nation and into their home. And yet, chapter 4 and chapter 5 seem to shift the focus. Instead of continuing to talk about the judgment that is coming because of their disobedience, Verse 1 of chapter 4 says, But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And the two chapters continue to talk about the kingdom that God will set up in Israel. And as we know, as we now have the full revelation of God's word, we know that to be the millennial kingdom when Christ shall return and set up his literal physical kingdom on earth for a thousand years. And yet, I can only imagine those hearing it at this time saying, you're wrong, you're judged, judgment is coming, but don't worry, somewhere in the future there's going to be a kingdom here. And I can only hear them saying, well, that's not fair. We, we want the kingdom. But that, hey, what? That's not fair. They're looking at their own situation and saying they're deserving judgment. But you know, that's, that's not quite fair. Why, why would they get to see it when we want to see it too? But more often than not, just like our nation of Israel here, that when we say it's not fair, it tends to be our own fault. And all saying it's not fair that the train left without us, but if we hadn't stopped for that cup of coffee or decided to go to a different bagel place that just, the line just happened to be much longer than our normal place to get breakfast. Or perhaps we got sick because, and we say that's not fair, but really it's because we wanted to try this new restaurant that all our coworkers were telling us about for lunch, and then it just didn't end up very well. Or maybe it's not fair that we missed a promotion at work, but it's kind of because we kept missing our train because we overslept and because of that we got in trouble for not being on time. You get what I'm saying? It's, it's not fair, but it tends to be not fair because of our own actions. Or 
For example, in my life, we at our work, at my workplace, the, the restaurant that I work at, we have a pretty strict time and attendance policy. Meaning like, which I haven't seen in like anywhere else other than when I worked in the warehouse, which kind of made sense to me. But the, the time and attendance is if you're scheduled at this time, one minute late is late. And there's a write-up or there's a documentation for it. And my team, which is the dishwashers, they just, they don't like it, you know. But we've done something to help them out. We've created a reward. So that way, if they do it perfectly within the month, it's just a pretty good reward. If they're not late, if they're not way too early, if they, they don't call out, they get a Metro card. Which I think, like, that's, I mean, I, I want that. I don't get it. But, so it's a, it's a neat reward. But some of them, at the end of the month, and the names are called of all the people who get the reward, and somebody says, hey, my name's not on that list. That's not fair. Why is my name not on the list? Well, then I take them back to the computer, and I show them, well, see, this day here is when you clocked in Three minutes late. It was three. And they're like, but it was three minutes. That's not fair. Well, it was. I told you. How often do we say, well, that's not fair, but yet it's our own fault. And that's really where the children of Israel are here. That's why the Lord starts and used through the mouth of Micah here in verse one of our text, chapter six, verse one. Says, hear now what the Lord saith. He's challenging the children of Israel to arise, contend thou before the mountains, and let the hills hear thy voice. And he's setting up people's court here. You have the Lord versus the nation of Israel, and all of creation gets to be the judge. It says, contend before the mountains, contend before the hills, let them hear thy voice. And then the Lord speaks up. Hear ye, O mountains. The Lord's controversy. Okay, so we get to hear the Lord's side now. The Lord's side of this controversy, of this, this contention. And ye strong foundations of the earth, for the Lord hath a controversy with his people, and he will plead with Israel. And here is the case that the Lord is bringing. Verse 3. O my people, what have I done unto thee? So the people of Israel are saying, that's not fair. This isn't fair. We should see the kingdom. And yet, you're telling us we're going to lose what we have. And the Lord is saying, what have I done unto thee? Wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. Basically saying, what have I done wrong? Tell, tell me, what have I done wrong? And instead, he gives them two good examples of what he has done right. Verse 4, we see the Lord speak of when he delivered them from, his, from Egypt, from their bondage as slaves. I, for, I, verse 4 says, For I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt and redeemed thee out of the house of servants. And I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. So not only did he bring them out of the country, he delivered them from bondage, he gave them leadership. God provided for them in every single way. And God provided for them because they were obedient to Him. Think about it. The last plague, before they left, there was the command, you know, the Passover. And all those that obeyed, they saw their children delivered. The Egyptians, however, they did not, and it wearied them. And then the Israelites, they continued to obey God. They, they took of the spoils of the land. They followed God out. They followed God through the Red Sea. And as they continued to obey God, 
he continued to bless them. Then we see another example. As this same nation is now wandering in the wilderness, they come across the children of Moab. And I believe Brother Andrew even remember a reference to this story on Sunday night when he preached. But that the king of Moab, Balak, consulted with the prophet for hire, Balaam, with the talking donkey, right? And we know that story. That Balaam comes and he tries to win the spoils that Balak has promised him, and yet he cannot but speak God's word. That, and the word that he spoke three times, time and time again, was, I cannot bless the people that God has blessed. Or I cannot curse, forgive me, I cannot curse the people that God has blessed. They're God's people, and they are blessed. That God reminded His people that He was righteous, right? That's, that's His contention, that's His case. He sums it all up and says, That ye may know that the Lord, that the righteousness, that ye may know the righteousness of the Lord. That regardless of them saying, This isn't fair! That time and time again, the Lord is righteous. Well, what does that mean? Well, he's righteous. He's, he's always true to his word, right? He's always true to his word. He promised the nation that they would be blessed if he, they continued to obey him. But if they didn't obey him, those blessings would be removed, right? That's even what we see in the, as that story continues with, with King Balak and, and Balaam, that Balaam says, well, I can't curse them, but... Maybe if you can get them to stop obeying God, if they can, you get them to stop obeying their God, God will then in turn remove his blessings. And that's what we see. That's what we saw with the nation of Israel. That is the moment that they gave in to the temptation that Balak had put in front of them, the blessings of God were removed. And instead, a curse, a plague came on the people. And yet, it turned right around when they came back to obeying God. So, the case is presented. God is still fair. He's still righteous because God is true to his word. And he always is. And that's a great message found within this passage, but that's not the point we're trying to get to. So hold on to that thought. God is always true to his word, right? So as we continue, now, now we see the nation of Israel responding to what the Lord has told them. The Lord has said, no, 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 hold on. I am fair because I'm true to my word and you deserve everything that is coming, the judgment that is coming. So in their minds, they're saying, okay, I'm deserving judgment because of my disobedience to God and I want to get to chapters 4 and 5 where there's the blessings of God. So how do I get from point A to point B? You know, there's no U-turns in life. It's not so easy to make up for mis- lost time or make up for mistakes. Um, there's no U-turns really that in New York City. You get going down a road and it takes a little bit to turn around. A lot of one-way streets. Um, so how do you get back? Well, that's their question. We see it start in verse 6. Wherewithal shall I come before the Lord? How, how do I get back? Wherewithal shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? 
Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? They're getting crazier and crazier with the thoughts. Do I need to, to give this many of my... Do I need to give 10,000 rams or 10,000 rivers of oil? Or do I need to give my firstborn child to God? That, that's going to fix the problem. Well, no. The problem is actually rather simple. How do we get back to God when life seems unfair? Well, verse 8, he has shown the old man. He's already shown us. He had already shown the nation of Israel how to return to God. And it was a whole lot simpler than they were thinking. It's not a bunch of sacrifices. It's not a bunch of offerings. But rather, as we see in verse 8, it's just simple obedience to what God has already shown us. It's returning back to being obedient. And before we start digging in, that same truth is what we see even in this time of the year. You know, this, we're in the middle of January. Everyone January 1st, well, almost everyone, makes a New Year's resolution, right? Now we're two weeks into January when 90% of people have already dropped their New Year's resolution. Maybe that New Year's resolution was a brand new diet, and yet somehow two weeks in, that cake or that, that Krispy Kreme donut or Dunkin' Donuts, I guess, right, just looks so good. It'll be okay to cheat just once. Or, or maybe you're starting to, you think, oh, man, I need to exercise. I need to bulk up or I need to lose weight. And yet, after two weeks, it's just, it's not as fun to run in the morning or in the evening after work. It's just, I'll be okay missing one day and two days and then a week and then it's gone. Or maybe it's, I see the new Bible reading schedule that we have and there's the one that now is two, two times in a year. And last, last year when I went through the calendar, it's one time through the year and a couple extra. And I really want to push myself to read more of God's Word. And now we're two weeks in and maybe you're two days, three days, five days, a week behind. But what, do you, what do you do to get back on those resolutions? Well, you just start doing them, right? That's, that's the simple truth of it. As difficult as it is to do, the simple truth is, when you want to get back, just do it. Just get back. Sorry not to steal Nike's saying, but you just got to do it. So, what do we see in verse 8? He has shown the old man what is good. If you want to get back to that place of blessing, what, back to that place that is good for you, Go back to the place that God has already shown you. Go back to what God has already revealed to you. Well, what is that for us? Well, God has already revealed His Word. God has already given us everything that we need to serve Him. No, 2 Peter 1.3 says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us unto glory and virtue. Is there anything else that you can really think of that would describe more of our life than just life and godliness? Like the physical and the spiritual, there's not really anything else. God's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. Well, where do we find that knowledge of God? Right here. That's why pastor stresses the the Bible reading schedules. It gets us into the Word of God, keeps us accountable to get to know the Lord. 
and get to know the resources that God has given us for life and for godliness. Okay? So he hath shown the old man what is good. And because he's given us what is good, he's given us all the resources that we need for some requirements. He hath shown the old man, showed the old man what is good. And then there's a rhetorical question. So, okay, you have, you have everything you need. What does the Lord require of you? What doth the Lord require of thee? And he gives a list of three things. It's a verb with an adverb. Okay, an action to be performed and how to perform it. So, what doth the Lord require of thee? But, first one, to do justly. Okay? If you just take the verb, to do what? What am I doing? Yes. Let's rephrase that. It's whatever you're doing. So, it's not just what, not a specific action, but whatever you do, to do it justly. Okay? The Lord requires that we do, okay, whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Set 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.17. Colossians 3.23. Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto man. Whatever you do, Micah 6.8 here says, do justly. Okay, that word justly, we throw around the word just in our language. Well, it's just this, and it's just that, and it's just this. We use it more in the sense of merely, right? It's, it's merely just, it's just a piece of cake. It's fine, I'll be okay. It's just a piece of cake. It's merely only one piece. But really, that word just, or in this sense, justly, talks about the law, to do justice, right? Well, hold on, not to do justice, because... God's not calling us to do justice because we're not the ones who are supposed to execute justice. You know, the Lord says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. We're not the ones called to make things right, but rather we're the ones called to do right. Right? God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He's given us instructions in righteousness, right? For the word of God, he's given us all things that pertain. Well, let's hold on. Where's the verse? He's given us, it's profitable, there we go, Second, Second Timothy, it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, right? He, so, one requirement is, he's given us everything we need, so first requirement, do it. Do justly. Do what's right. Okay, so then the second thing. So what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly and to love mercy. Okay, love is another one of those words that we kind of throw around in our days and it's kind of been twisted and mixed up. But it, it's to love. God is love and, and it's to set our affections on or our desires on the object, right? So to love, it's a state of being, a, okay, one of the definitions of love is affection, right? Well, that word affection means to be affected by. Right? So it's something that fills your mind so much that you're affected by it. So if we were to love mercy, it's to be just overwhelmed and overcome by the mercy that God has provided for us. Just think about it. What did God save you from? Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And God, 
And the Bible tells us that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. That all of us deserve, across the board, all of us deserve an eternity in hell because of our sin towards God. And yet we've received God's mercy. We ought to dwell on that. We ought to, to love just that thought and to be able to do justly because of the mercy that we've been given. But more so than just loving the mercy that we've received, we should also love to give mercy. You know that how often are we wronged or we're dealt unfairly by the people we encounter, our coworkers or the person who's just cut us off on the road? But you know what? The Lord commands us in His Word, in what He's shown us, to be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Why? Well, even as Christ, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That if we really love the mercy that we've been given, we'll follow that commandment to show mercy to others too. And part of that showing mercy as well as telling others who need Him as well. It's not only... Showing mercy, but sharing mercy. Sharing the mercy of God that's been provided to a lost and dying world as well. Of telling others, hey, I love the mercy that God has given me. Can I tell you about it? Can, can I tell you how you can receive it? Okay, so he's given us his word. Required to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. Okay, not literally here's now we got some figures of speech it's not literally walking around oh, I'm, I'm just humble not literally walking down the sidewalk looking just so humble but the, the walk here is our manner of life it's how we live and how we go about our ways to walk humbly okay this world throws around the the, the terms of self-awareness or to know yourself well if you think about it, to be humble really is to know who you are yourself in the sight of a holy God. It's to recognize that we did deserve mercy, that to recognize how very small we are, and yet God still chooses to use us on a regular basis. And God still chooses to love us and to, would have died on the cross to save just me, just you. Because he loves us so much. And that's a humbling thought. Hum- humility is getting our mind off of self and focusing on God so that we forget self. It's you know, trusting the Lord with all thy heart, leaning, on thine own under- leaning not unto thine own understanding. It's in all thy ways acknowledging him, allowing him to direct thy path. It's allowing the Lord to lead you to walk humbly, well, the last bit of that verse, with thy God. So the simple truth here, and the simple truth of that song, even as I learned it at Heartland, is that around that verse 8 here, but God's given us everything we need. He hath shown thee, O man, what is good. And, okay, what doth the Lord require of thee? Well, to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Really, in, to sum it up, you know, when life really seems unfair, 
or when it's just a struggle to get back and return to that place of blessing, that we can return, hey, well, not just we, the child of God. This was true for the, people, the nation of Israel that was going into judgment as much as it is true for us today that any child of God can return back to a place of blessing simply by obeying God's word. I say simply because it's simple here. We all know it's sometimes it's simple here and not as simple here. But really it is. It's a simple truth of just being obedient to God's word. You know, God's word tells us to fear God and keep his commandments, to, to love others, to, to forgive others. And that's, that's all really in those three requirements here. Or in those three requirements, we just, I just read off Proverbs 3 here, but verse 7, not as commonly memorized. You know, verse 5 is, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Verse 7, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Okay, It's kind of like walking humbly, right? Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. Okay, acknowledge who the Lord is. Thank, thank Him for His mercy. And depart from evil. Okay, do justly. It's all throughout God's Word. To be obedient to God. The simple truth is, we know it, that blessings are found when we obey God. And yet sometimes we say, man, this just isn't fair. Well, maybe it is. Because you know what? As the Lord's had to remind his people back then that the Lord is still righteous. You know, he's done so much. He did so much for them in just those two instances. And he's done so much for us if we just look back and say, well, maybe there's something in my life that I'm not being obedient to God in. Maybe my life just doesn't seem fair because I'm just getting what God has promised would happen. Because God is true to his word. So, Sometimes, when life seems unfair, really all we have to do is return back to a place of being obedient to God. The way to return back to the place of blessing is just by simply being obedient to God. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what did the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word and the simplicity of the truth that's here, Lord. As I know our world says that this, this book here, Lord, your word is so complicated and so difficult to understand. But Lord, it, it really is simple. And you've just called us to be obedient to your word. Or to, to know that which you've showed us and to be obedient to it. God, I pray that you would help us to go throughout the rest of our week, Lord, throughout the rest of these days, to remember just the simplicity of being obedient to your word. We pray this in your precious and wonderful name. Before we close that prayer, I just want to open up a chance for invitation as the piano plays. The Lord's worked on your heart. I give you time to deal with him.
right, let's go ahead and be stand. 51 in your hymnals if you need the